CCR number 97 for February 3rd, 2010. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by PanthersFans.com. Cats fans, get your Carolina Panthers fix with all the guys and gals over at PanthersFans.com. Stay up to date with all the latest news, transactions, and discussions only at PanthersFans.com. I'm ready to go, baby. D'Angelo Williams, left side crowded, goes up the middle, 50-yard line, he's in the clear, this has got potential, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Still on a mission, though, still on a mission. We're going to find out how far we can push ourselves. Jake DeLong's going, Steve Smith, left side, caught for a touchdown! Keep the dream alive, baby! Welcome to the show dedicated to covering the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, Nick Yeoman is back to provide the fans' perspective. Darren Gant of the Rock Hill Herald is with us to give us his insights. And we'll be speaking to Carolina Panthers quarterback Matt Moore. Yeah, you definitely want to uh, prove some people and kind of quiet the doubters, if you will. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Do you get the feeling you've heard all of this before? Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Carl Carey, the agent for Julius Peppers, has spoken loudly. He says the team has not been in touch with him concerning his client's future since the end of the season, like they said they would. He's assuming that they've moved on without Peppers. A Marty Herney, the team's general manager, isn't talking and apparently still isn't making phone calls to agents since he hasn't talked to Kerry. Well, Kerry wants his guy to be the best paid defensive player in the league if he's signed to a long-term contract. The problem is that the Panthers have already offered that about two years ago, and Peppers turned it down. No matter what happens next, this is all sounding far too familiar. We're all left with a drama that sounds more like something from Jersey Shore than an NFL negotiation. Obviously, we'll all know more in a few weeks when teams can begin placing franchise and transition tags on players. Will they or won't they franchise Julius again, this time to the tune of $20 million for one season? One thing we do know for sure is who will be the special teams coach. His name is Jeff Rogers. He's the same guy who was an assistant under Danny Crossman last year. He's also served as an assistant special teams coach in San Francisco from 2003 to 2007, and was the special teams coach at Kansas State for the 2008 season. The move rounds out a coaching staff that will work under John Fox for the final year of his contract in 2010. Yeah, all of this and the offseason is just getting started. I'm reliving the same day over and over. It's time for the Panther Preview. It's, let's just say it, it is the sequel. This is the sequel last year. We went through this one other time, and we are right back where we started a year ago. Joining us to talk about you-know-what and you-know-who, it is Nick Yeoman. Yeoman, what's up? John, what's going on, my good man? Well, I'll tell you, it's the Julius Pepper saga, the sequel, with a subtitle of uh, The Spurned Agent. Ooh, uh, wow. I mean, Carl Carey has, he has spoken... Uh, your thoughts on Carl Carey and this whole Julius Peppers um, miscommunication? Well, 
I'm I'm done with it. I really am. I mean, I I think we've all we were all a little torn up during the off season with with how that played out last year and. And Julius put up some good numbers, sure, but uh, it was just so, so much drama surrounding that of what's going to happen, what's the right decision, what what makes both parties happy, and and just the thought of having to go through it again, and and the potential depth that you lose at other positions if you do want to unload that franchise tag. I'm just I'm done with it. I mean, I really am. And and if, and if Julius, if the team and Julius can't reach an agreement, and that they got to send Julius Walker, and then he truly will start looking at those other options, then I'm fine with it because this is just. As a fan, you just don't want to go through this drama again. I'm just—I I think I can speak for for most of the fan base. I think we're all just a little tired of it. Well, you know what really struck me about this—the way that—and and maybe I know sometimes, like you send somebody an email, you can't exactly—you know—you're reading what they had to say, and you can't get the tone of it. And we didn't hear Carl Carey make these statements. All we can—you know—we've got a quote in a newspaper or in an online article. But what it sounded to me like was a guy that he sounded a lot like some kid that's on MySpace, and you know you didn't comment my picture, you know, or something off of maybe Jersey Shore. I mean, something this this ought to be playing out on MTV and not on ESPN or any of the you know the NFL Network or any of the major NFL sites that are out there. So, I mean, does it sound to you like maybe they're just they're kind of giving it that whole uh, that that teenager attitude. It does to me. It sounds immature. Yeah, it, it does, and, and you just you kind of wonder on on Julius and, and, and Carrie's perspective. You know, is this still hanging over from last year? Because last year it wasn't like oh we're going to look at our options. It was just like I, I'm tired of playing for this team, and I don't want to be here anymore. And obviously he was upset, upset with how the season ended, and and obviously things worked out, and cooler heads prevailed, and he got his money, and he played well. But yeah, it, it is. It, it's just kind of it is kind of teenager ass high school, you know, BS going back and forth. And well, I don't like you. You don't like me. We're not going to get anything done. I'm not going to talk to you. And and like I said, it's just it's just sad that that you know it can't be handled professionally. And and uh, and ultimately, maybe it will. Maybe the Panthers will do their thing. They'll they'll play the company line and say, all right, well, you know, we appreciate you playing. We appreciate you giving your services and, and the years that you spent here, Julius. And we wish you the best of luck. And and maybe Carrie and Peppers will do their part and say, yeah, we, we want to thank the Panthers for everything. But right now it is. It just it just looks messy. It just really looks messy. And, and uh, you know, like I said, the, the offseason, it, it's never dull. It's always something. It's always interesting. And this is certainly going to play out in, in some kind of way. And what they're asking for, and this actually came up two years ago, they want him to be the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL. There was a contract laid in front of him. Uh, there went, was a fairly lengthy negotiation two years ago, two off-seasons ago, and he turned the money down. I think at this point, this is a matter of opinion, and I'm sure that everybody will tell me what they think of my opinion, good or bad, but they're asking for top money, meaning that he's the best defensive player in the NFL, which I would have to disagree with. And right off the top of my head, I just scribbled down 10 names earlier, and I still think... Looking at this list, and I've looked at it several times, I think all of these players are better than Julius Peppers, and I'll run through it quickly. I may have to put this into fast-forward. Darrell Rivas, Dwight Freeney, Demarcus Ware, Patrick Willis, D'Amico Ryans, Troy Palomalu, Namdi Asamoah, Jared Allen, Sean Merriman, and our very own John Beeson. So if those guys are better, that's just a matter of opinion. I don't see how I would pay the guys the top defensive player in the league if he's not. No, no, and a couple 
couple things to add to that. I mean, I agree with with almost everyone on that list. And there's a couple you could you could you know put up for debate. But a couple things, I never think it's good to have the highest paid defensive player on your team. I mean, I'm fine with having the highest paid offensive player. I mean, if the Panthers had a guy like Peyton Manning or you got a guy like Tom Brady, then unload every penny you have on that guy because he changes the game. On the defensive end, though, I mean, the, the defensive players don't touch the ball every snap. You know, they're not going to see, they're going to make impact on what, 15, 20 plays per game, unlike the offense, unlike a quarterback or a great running back who can impact it every single time the ball is snapped. And I think if you're, if anything, the Panthers got to look to just this last offseason. You think the Redskins are probably regret the fact that they made, you know, Albert Hainsworth the $100 million man? I mean, Albert Hainsworth, really good player, solid defensive tackle. Julius Peppers, really good, probably a Hall of Fame defensive end, but do you deserve that type of money? I don't know. It's up for debate, but I just don't think you can handicap yourself in a salary cap era. I mean, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but you know, if you pay somebody that much money, you're going to lose it in other spots, and the Panthers are so close right now. I mean, we saw it at the end of the season. They were playing great football against some really good teams. You just, you, you got to, you know, you got to weigh the risk and the reward, and I just don't think it's worth it, and I just don't think it's, it's good the highest paid defensive player on your team well and they're talking about a potential annual salary of say 15 mil that's been floated a lot of times that's a number that's if you're looking at the or just reading the tea leaves you hear 15 million mentioned a lot over about 10 years so say about 100 150 mil if you go that long i'd rather see the 15 million split up between guys like thomas davis and and maybe ryan khalil who are coming up, one is a free agent now, or would be under the old rules, one is about to be, so I'd rather see that money split up, so I, I have to agree with you there, and then we did make an addition this week, if I guess, but we promoted a guy from within, uh, Danny Crossman's off in Detroit, and we promoted his underling, Jeff Rogers, as the uh, special teams coordinator or special teams coach, your thoughts on him? Well, it, it, it's so tough to tell because, you know, special teams coaches, uh, you know, their, their names only get brought up when they do something wrong. Usually these guys remain nameless. I know he spent some time at Kansas State. Uh, he's been in the league for a little bit. He's a young guy, and, and what I like is, you know, when you're dealing with special teamers, a lot of times you're dealing with young players who probably, you know, are, are a little upset. They probably feel like they should be starting, probably feel like they should be used uh, in a different fashion other than just on special teams. And maybe him being a younger coach, he can relate better to these players. And uh, I mean, I can't sit here and tell you that it was a good move or a bad move because only time will tell. Uh, usually it's so hard to tell, though, because it's just a special teams coach. So, yeah, it's an addition, kind of, but uh, it's good to see somebody get a shot, though, especially someone in-house. All right, well, I tell you what, since we've we've talked so much about Julius, uh, I guess we can take a break here and come back and talk about quarterbacks. You, are you ready for that? No, I'm always ready. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with uh, with that. But I want to remind everybody again to, to make sure that you subscribe to the newsletter. Just go to catcraveradio.com. At the top of the page, you'll see newsletter. Just click there. There's like a three or four entry form that pops up. Fill that out, and we'll get you started. You'll be signed up. It's actually only about a 30 second process so get yourself signed up for the newsletter it comes out weekly go to catcraveradio.com and click newsletter fill out the form and bada bang 
you'll be getting the newsletter weekly. Coming up in just a bit, Darren Gant, we've got that conversation with Matt Moore, speaking of quarterbacks, and Nick and I, as we said before, we're going to come back and talk about the quarterbacks from top to bottom and who might get that starting job next season. That's coming up. We'll dish out more coverage of the Carolina Panthers when Cat Crave Radio continues. Nurse, set up an IV. And you, her boyfriend, you were the driver? Yes, doctor, but I didn't mean to hurt her. I only had a few drinks. I was just buzzed. Just buzzed? Oh, then your girlfriend is fine. Hey, sweetie. I feel great. She's really okay? What, are you kidding? No, not really. Nurse, get me a suture kit. Stat. Buzzed driving. Maybe we should stop acting like it's no big deal. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boomer Bust, the Super Bowl XLIV edition. Joining us for the game, it is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game? I am ready, John. A lot of Roman numerals there. I'm impressed. Well, you know, I wrote it down, so I've got notes. (laughs) (laughs) We'll start you off with the injured Dwight Freeney versus the Saints. Dwight Freeney plays, I just don't expect him to have that big of an impact on this game. I mean, having that ankle injury, is it's going to severely hurt his strength, which is exploding off the line of scrimmage. You know, thankfully the Colts have another defensive end in Robert Mathis that can really bring the pressure, and if Raheem Brock is the guy that gets the call to start if Freeney can't go, I don't think it'll hurt any too much, but I think Freeney's a bust. Jonathan Vilma versus the Colts. I, I think the Saints' defense is in trouble. I really do, and I think Vilma's included in that. Peyton Manning, he's the best in the league at, at reading a defense, making adjustments, and making you pay for it. I expect Vilma to come out strong. I think he'll probably make a couple plays, a couple good tackles in the running game, making it tough on Manning early, and then once that second quarter starts, Vilma's going to become a non-factor. I think he's a bust as well. Dallas Clark versus the Saints. I think Dallas Clarkson for a big game. He caught four passes in the Super Bowl three years ago, and I expect him to double that. He averaged nine yards for catching that game against Chicago, too. So if he can duplicate that effort, the Colts should be in really good shape. I think number 44 reaches the end zone in Super Bowl 44 and booms this Sunday. Jeremy Shockey versus the Colts. You know, Jeremy Shockey may sit here and tell you that having to sit up in the press box and watch his teammates for the Giants win the Super Bowl didn't affect him, but I'm not buying it. I think Shockey's He's going to be extremely motivated this Sunday to go out and play big for the Saints and, and win himself a Super Bowl. A little selfish, maybe, but as we know, Shockey's a little off his rocker anyways. In a one-game situation, though, I think he plays great and booms for the Saints. Joseph Adai versus the Saints. Heading into the playoffs, all I heard was that the Colts can't run the football, but in the AFC title game, Joseph Adai turned out a solid performance. He had 80 yards on 16 carries and really provided that balance that the Colts passing game needs to really be dangerous. I think the speed on the defense for New Orleans, however, is going to be a little too much for a die to really break out. I think they hold him in check, and he's a bust. Reggie Bush versus the Colts. I just think Reggie Bush is too dynamic of a player to not play well on the biggest stage possible. I mean, I think back to some of those incredible performances he had at USC in the big games, and then as well, you mix in the fact that he's had some pretty big primetime performances that we've seen in the NFL. So I think all signs point to him booming this Sunday, and I think that's exactly what it does. He will make an impact. Reggie Bush is a boom. Back-to-back Reggies. Reggie Wayne versus the Saints. 
Yeah, of course, Reggie Wayne had a, had a great career at the University of Miami in the, and in the Super Bowl three years ago. He made a huge impact scoring the first touchdown for Indy that, that sparked that win over Chicago. I don't think the Saints have a corner, corner like Darrell Rivas who can slow Wayne down. And because of that, I think Wayne does fly right out of that bat cave and scores for the Colts. I think he's a boom. Marquez Colston versus the Colts. I think Colston's going to get open uh, now. And if, Drew, if Drew Brees has the same problems like he had in the NFC title game, then maybe Marcus Colston struggles a bit. But I just don't see it. I, I think Brees is going to find him a few times. And if you let him get out in the open field, he can really hurt you. I think that's what a lot of people forget about Colston and, and really all these Saints wide receivers. They're pretty good in the open field. I think he is a boom, just like Reggie Wayne. Peyton Manning versus the Saints. You know, this one's not as easy as you think because, A, the Saints have had two weeks to, to, to prepare a game plan for Peyton Manning, and, B, Peyton's coming off a huge performance against the Jets, and he can't get much better, can he? Well, I think he can. At the end of the day, he's Peyton Manning. I mean, even if the Saints throw everything at him, they blitz him, he's going to get rid of the ball quickly. If they back off and drop guys in coverage, he's going to pick you apart underneath and in the flats. I don't think it's going to matter. I think Peyton Manning is a boom no matter what happens. Drew Brees versus the Colts. Drew Brees has to be careful against the Colts defense because I don't think guys like Antoine Bethea and Clint Session get enough credit. Brees is still too good, though, uh, to struggle. His best won't be as good as Peyton's best, but I know Drew Brees won't go into this game thinking he has to out-duel Peyton Manning, and I think that's huge. It's a huge mental thing, and Ed Brees is going to be just fine. Like most of the offensive players in this game, I think Drew Brees is a boom. Well, Nick, we do appreciate you playing the game with us this week and all season long. Hey, it's been fun, John. Thanks. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Back to more CCR. And welcome back to the Panther Preview. Still with us is Yeoman. Yeoman, quarterbacks, man. Quarterbacks. Let's break this bad boy down. You ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. It's, it's an interesting group and, uh, and one that was a little shaky this past season. You got that right. And uh, What, three or four times now? It seems like every week keeps coming out of my mouth. I keep saying, boy, this is a young group. This is not the youngest group when you check out the guy that has been the starter all this time, and that's Jake DeLome, who's 35, been in the league 11 years, though the first three or four don't necessarily count. Matt Moore, the guy most of us want to see under center from now on, is only 25. So you get a lot younger if Jake is no longer with you. But So it's going to be the Jake and Matt show. Who wins? Boy, I, I really, I think it's going to be Matt Moore, to be honest with you. I think he played, he had, his, his play was strong enough at the end of the season there that I think he deserves to be the starter. And, and I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what, you know, Bank of America Stadium would sound like. Say, if the Panthers, if they do open the season at home, if they see number 17 walk out there as quarterback, I, I just don't think you can do it with that as horrible, as horrible as Jake DeLone played uh, in the brief, you know, he was only in there. He only played for uh, 11 games and won four of them through 18 interceptions. I just don't think you can do it. Uh, I think you have to make a step. You have to take that step in a different direction. You have to cut the ties, the loyalty ties to Jake DeLome. I think it has to be done. I think Matt Moore has to be the starter next year heading into the season. Well, if I have to give you my opinion on who I would like to see, I think it's Matt Moore after what we saw down the stretch. I mean, what, in a three-game stretch there against some pretty stiff competition, he came out in the 90s or very low triple digits with his quarterback rating. So, excellent. But if I've got to make a prediction, 
I think it's Jake DeLome that starts because first we're dealing with, well, with a coach that likes to stick with Jake DeLome. He's here for one more season. I think he's going to say that same, it's the same line, Jake gives me the best chance to win. I think Jake starts with probably a fairly short leash and then he pulls the the plug on on Jake if that new experiment, uh, like same thing, same as the old, you know, if it doesn't work, he pulls the plug and Matt comes in. I, I just, I, I just don't think you can do that. I really don't. I think John Fox, you know, he ended up looking like a fool this year because time and time again he came out and said, you know what, Jake DeLome gives us the best chance to win. I mean, he he went out and said his stats are for losers. He wasn't cared. He just wanted to win ball games. And then this Matt Moore kid finally gets a chance and he starts winning the ball games. I just don't think John Fox can do that. And to be honest with you, if he does, if he puts Jake DeLome in there to start the season, boy, people are going to be calling for John Fox's head like they've never done before. Yeah, and I think one thing that that probably, if there's any chance that a locker room ever gets split, it's always over quarterback. That seems to be something that happens all the time. You hear rumors anyway, whether they're true or not. That's why they're rumors. But maybe, just maybe, let's say Jake starts and he doesn't play so well. One or two weeks worth and still Fox is planning to stick with him. I think that's when, the if the locker room will split, it would, but you got to give these guys credit. I mean, they did stick behind whoever was under center all season long. The, the, they did not. Nobody ever grumbled about it. At least it never saw the light of day. We didn't hear it. So I have to give them credit for that. I don't I don't know that would happen, but I still kind of lean toward Fox putting DeLome out there. I, I know that would really piss a lot of fans off, but and it probably would me too, but I, I still see him sticking with Jake. Yeah, I just, I mean, it, I don't know how you could do it. I really don't. And you mentioned, I mean, you talk about it, fracturing a locker room is what you'd worry about the most. I just don't know how you could. And, you know, we've talked about it. We've talked about it during the season. You know, I love Jake DeLone. Love what he did for this team. You know, he's been a great player. He's been a great ambassador for this team, a great representative. And more than anything, it is. It's sad the way that he, he, he played last year and ultimately, you know, had to end the season with the injury. Whether that was bogus or not, we'll never know. But I just think you have to you have to handle this as a business. As a business, I mean, you look at the other positions. You know, we talked about it: the offensive line, the secondary. You know, the linebackers are so much talent at running back. You've got two of the best running backs in the league. You've got to handle this as a business. You can't, you know, chance it by putting your faith in the guy that you like, the guy that you've been with, the guy that you know you've rolled and and died with with Jake alone. You've got to handle this with a business decision. You have to put in the guy that gives you the best chance to win. And, and boy, I think that has to be Matt Moore. And I just, boy, I, I would be absolutely shocked if Jake DeLome uh, is under center at the beginning of the season. Well, you got Jake who came out with a 59.4 rating and Matt Moore at 98.5. And I was thinking it was uh, three digits, but it's actually not what he came out with overall. Um, he had a little bit of a rough game there against Tampa Bay, uh, decent second half. But, you know, you, you got these two guys and they are the two marquee players now. Those are the guys we're all going to be debating Probably Feely and Cantwell, either they're cut. you got to think Feely was a rental guy, and Cantwell's probably gone. So, new faces. That kind of leaves you with who may or may not come in. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go on record. I do not want Tim Tebow. I do not want him. Leave him in Florida. I don't want him. He's a great kid. He was an excellent college football player. He's not an NFL quarterback. I do not want him on this roster. How about you? Where do you fall on the Tebow scale? Well, I'm right there with you. I mean, he's a great leader. I mean, no doubt about it. You said a great kid. 
But uh, no, have you seen anything from this Senior Bowl practice? Uh, Tim Tebow, I don't think he will, he'll be playing in a Carolina Panther uniform. And I'll throw another name out there that I don't think will be in a Panthers uniform that I've heard a lot, and that's Mike Vick. Uh, I think fans got to get over this. Mike, the Panthers have a system. They know what they want. They want a quarterback that can manage a game. And, and I don't think Tim Tebow and I don't think Michael Vick are, are the type of quarterback the Panthers need, and I don't think they'll be playing in Carolina anytime soon. No matter what Jimmy Johnson has to say on the Fox pregame show, because that was not the smartest thing to say. And everybody, of course, jumped on that. Every forum and every every chat room just lit up when he said it, which uh, I'm like, Jimmy, please. No no, Vic, please. But Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Johnson's a smart guy. Don't get me wrong. He did some great things at the University of Miami with the Dallas Cowboys. But every once in a while, you know, those old guys, they'll say something that's a little questionable. And that one was a lot questionable. <laughs> Well, there are really very limited. Well, there are going to be a lot of, a lot of guys that would have been free agents who won't be free agents as long as we go into the season or, well, the new season starts in March technically, but if you get into that and there's no true free agency because you wipe out a lot of players off that free agency list who would have been out on the market as four-year NFL veterans. And now having to wait to, say, six years, I believe it is, under the, the, the lack of a CBA, there's nobody out there. So that leaves you with the draft. So uh, who is this kid? Lefevre, I believe is his name. That's one name that gets floated. I may be mispronouncing it, but that's one kid whose name ke- keeps getting floated around in the middle round. So maybe. Yeah, yeah, Dan Lefevre, I mean, he's a quarterback played up at Central Michigan. I, I've seen him play a couple times, and, and he is. He, he's a lot like Tim Tebow. That's the scary thing is he can get it done on the ground. He can, uh, you know, he scrambles. He gets it done through the pocket. Um, he, he's a solid quarterback. I, but you're right. I just don't know if there's going to be – the Panthers are going to be in a position without a first-round pick to grab one of these top franchise quarterbacks. So I think you got to kind of put your faith in Matt Moore and maybe Josh McCown bouncing back from that injury. He can be a solid backup if he ever sees, you know, time. And, and even Jake DeLome, you know, don't give up on Jake DeLome completely. I don't think he deserves to start. I think he's lost that he's lost that right. But uh, I still think if you, you put Jake DeLome at the back of quarterback position, there are very few backup quarterbacks that have accomplished as much as he has. And I think, you know, with a mix of, of Jake and, and, uh, and Josh McCown, you might have a solid backup spot for Matt Moore, Matt Moore. This situation may not be so bad. So if Julius wants to go and they – say here's the offer and or or the the tender you can come in and sign it and we'll work on a trade maybe they can do one of those jared allen you know sign and trade things so you could get a trade done get yourself a high draft pick maybe bring in a quarterback if not maybe jake plays maybe he doesn't matt moore's 25 maybe you could groom somebody maybe the whole julius peppers and quarterback situations maybe those two things work together and in the end you come out golden you never know yeah, and I'll throw one out there, a rumor that I've read. I wasn't sure. I can't really tell you where I read it, but I've seen it pop up on a couple message boards. Is, is maybe if you can get Julius Peppers to sign a tender, you can trade him for Donovan McNabb. I'm not really in favor of that, but that's uh, that's one of those, those hot rumors that's out there as well. Yeah, that wouldn't be so bad. I mean, uh, sometimes McNabb acts a little weird, and sometimes he'll throw into coverage and drive you crazy, but the guy has made a Super Bowl, and... Lord knows he's in the playoffs every single year, so I, I couldn't disagree with, you know, if I had to, you know, choose between Jake and McNabb, I'd probably go McNabb. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think we can all agree that if you had to choose between letting Julius Peppers walk for nothing or taking the chance and actually being able to pull off a sign-and-trade, we're going to take that sign-and-trade option. Absolutely. 
Well, let's hit the bottom line here. The grade that you're going to give the quarterbacks is? I'm going to give them a 75. The play at the position, you know, ruined the Panther season uh, in the first half of the year when everybody, it also gave everyone a glimmer of hope at the end of the season. I mean, it's risky to put all your faith in Matt Moore next season. It's risky to put Jake DeLone back under center, and it's risky to try and draft somebody to start as a rookie. So either way, it's a, it's a shaky spot for this team. There is some talent there, which is why I can give them a grade as high as a 75, but that's about as high as it'll go. I'm going to give them right there in the mid-70s with a 75 for the quarterback position. There you go, your Simon Cowell of the grading, uh, well, uh, for grading the uh, players. I guess I'm, I do Rand- it again? I'm Randy Jackson because I come out with a 78, man. I mean, I, I would have graded it higher. I hate to say this, and I love Jake. I think Jake has been, he's been great for us for a long time, but it just fell apart last January. And then, you know, for the bigger part of the 09 season, it just wasn't pretty. So I, I brought the grade down there, but I don't like the backups. Feely's out the door. I'm not the biggest uh, McCown fan either, but I am high on Matt Moore. I think he's got great upsides. So I gave them a 78. I'm a full three points higher than you. Yeah, you know, it's three points, but in in the grand scheme of things, it's fairly close. I don't think I'm too much of a slamming cow. Yeah, maybe a little bit, maybe. (laughs) Maybe maybe a little bit, without the British accent, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and maybe we got a hope without the, you know, those skanky-looking T-shirts on, too. So maybe that's, you know, maybe that's not working on on you either. Yeah, those are awful. I wouldn't be caught dead in one. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to stick around for a um, for a Super Bowl edition of Pick'em? Yes, last one of the year. I have to. This is Cat Crave Radio. Right now, let's bring in Darren Gant of the Rock Hill Herald. Darren, it's good to have you back. Hello, John. How are you, buddy? Doing great. We, uh, we've dodged a bullet, maybe, with this weather. We thought we'd be getting more and more of this. The week's not over, I know, but... We can never dodge the Julius Peppers bullet. It can't be dodged for some reason. He and his agent, they're saying, well, his agent is, is really talking a lot. Are they trying to get leverage here? What what exactly are they doing? Just, just playing the game. I mean, Carl, uh, you know, was basically asked a handful of questions by me and several other reporters over the weekend and just answered them. I mean, he doesn't think at this point that the Panthers have any interest in retaining Julius Peppers. And, and I tell you, I mean, Carl's doing what he thinks is in his client's best interest, and that's to keep his name out there, keep interest up, so that there's a market whenever he does get to a market. But the reality of this situation is, as we stand here talking on February 2nd, we're more than three weeks from the deadline by which they've got to make a decision on a franchise tag and whether they want to go through that process with him. So, you know, it's all very premature at the best and maybe misleading at the at the least. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird situation, but the bottom line is Julius, again, doesn't seem to want to be here after several, you know, weeks of playing nice and saying all the right things and seeming like he, he was a little bit more open to hanging around. I mean, now they're taking the tack that, you know, apparently these guys don't want us around, so we're just going to go find someplace else. You know, this may be a bad thing to do. Uh, I mean, I, I've I've tried constantly that, you know, Carl Carey will not return my emails, and maybe this is not the way to go about getting him to contact me, but what this sounds like is the when I started seeing these comments from him and the, the way that he, you know, the way he explained that, well, the team hasn't been in touch with us, they told us it would be right after the season— 
I'm sorry, that sounds to me, the way he's talking, it sounds like some spurned 14-year-old girl on MySpace who didn't get, you know, a comment on a picture. So, you know, this sounds really, really immature as opposed to an agent who's going to play the game. This just, something about this just sounds very childish. Well, be careful with those 14-year-old girl on MySpace comments, John, or the feds will be knocking at your door. <laughs> um, have you heard of Chris Hansen? Unfortunately. At any rate, I'm uh, just having a little fun with you. Carl's, uh, Carl's an interesting character, and he's in an interesting spot. He is a agent with one client, and, you know, he's got a relationship that goes back a long time with Julius, and, you know, there's a little bit of vested interest there. I mean, he's a, you know, again, he's a cottage industry. He's a, a one-client agency, and he's going to do everything he knows to do. And, and does the fact that Carl Carey's never been through this process uh, change the way it's playing out? Eh, I'm sure it does. I mean, agents with more experience do things differently. I mean, that's not the, you know, we'll see when all's said and done and whether Julius gets the contract he wants in the place he wants to get it, whether Carl Carey was ultimately successful for his client. But at the moment, you know, there are signs all the time, and even going back to last year with the way some of these things were handled, you know, again, you can tell when a guy's been through this, you know, drama before, and you can tell when a guy's brand new to it. And, you know, I'll say this about Carl. He's a, he's a smart guy. And he clearly has his client's best interest at heart. I think, you know, at the same time, it's it's pretty clear through some of the things he said and done that this is the first time he's done it. I guess he had Julius at hello. I mean, it sounds like Jerry Maguire. But what sounds so bad to me, this and this is the part, I guess, this is where we could all start debating. Because it's going to come down to this one thing. They, they want to negotiate a contract for him that makes him the best paid defensive player in the league. And frankly, I don't see how he's the best defensive player. I mean, I could just right off the top of my head name you 10 players who are better, and that's what he wants. I mean, is if, if they're talking about that kind of money, does that not doom this relationship? Um, you know, I tell you, I don't know that I could go 10 deep at defensive players in the NFL before you get down to guys with kind of game-changing impact Julius can have. I mean, if you look at it, He's in that club. I mean, pass rushers, you know, right or wrong, you can talk about other positions, but pass rushing defensive ends are the ones who are going to make the money. You look at what Jared Allen got from Minnesota when he forced his way out of Kansas City. I mean, that's just the market rate. So, I mean, Julius is going to get paid what Julius is going to get paid. And I don't think there's much doubt that it's going to be, you know, right in that club. If he's not going to top Hainsworth, if he's not going to top Osamoa, he's going to be right there at him. And and that's going to be whether he's playing here, or which I doubt, or whether he's playing somewhere else, which I figure is likely. If Julius, if this thing goes as Carl Carey expects, and he gets into the open market with no franchise tag, you know, no threat of having to compensate the Carolina Panthers on the backside of this deal, I think people are going to be surprised at the contract he's going to be able to to receive. Now, certainly, there are some things depressing the market a little bit. Number one being some of the rules with the uncapped year and just the reality that a lot of owners aren't prepared to write big checks for anybody this offseason. You know, and the labor uncertainty is going to be a factor of every contract that's written this offseason. So I think when you go through all those factors, there's a chance it might not be as big as he thought it was going to be. But I think at the end of the day, he's still going to get paid and paid very well and paid comparably to what they were offering him two years ago coming off his worst season. 
Well, we mentioned this weeks ago when we, I think you made the statement that this could be Detroit. We could, you know, be rooting for the Lions. Well, Danny Crossman is off to go work with the Lions now, and we promote from within to replace him. Jeff Rogers is now the new special teams coach. What can we expect from him since he's been really kind of been an underling to Crossman now for the last several seasons? Well, you know, it's interesting. I got a couple questions on the Twitter over the weekend when this move came down about, you know, how can they do this? How can they promote this bum who was, you know, an assistant under Danny Crossman who was perceived to be a bum? And and my point to that person was Danny Crossman didn't get good by his association with Scott O'Brien, so why does Jeff Rogers necessarily get bad because of his association with Danny Crossman? I think the thing you got to remember with Jeff is he's here one year. And, and I mean, if you think uh, personally, I mean, my opinion, I think Danny got scapegoated. I think Danny, because of the Julius situation and a lot of other factors, hadn't had the kind of players that a lot of other special teams coaches have. If you just look at dedicated special teams-only players. Now, let me climb down off my soapbox on Danny's behalf for a second. I think the guy's a good coach, and I think he's smart and he's energetic and a lot of things good coaches have to be. Didn't work out here. And he's gone, and that's fine. And he's a pinata, and you can beat on him if you choose. That being said, Jeff Rogers is going to need some of the things that Danny doesn't have. And Jeff's, you know, in a lot of ways, the profile is similar. I mean, he's former player, you know, one of those guys who was a coach's kid, you know, high-energy guy. I mean, Jeff Rogers is, is a guy I talked to several players who think he is going to do a good job, and, and they were kind of excited that, you know, if Danny was gone, this was the way they went to replace him. So, you know, Jeff's got a long background in the game. His dad was on John Makovic's staff back at Texas. He's from one of those old-school Texas football families. And, you know, he was Drew Brees' center in high school. So he's been around good football his whole life and, you know, worked under a lot of different people. He, um, you know, when he was out in San Francisco as an assistant, he was under Al Everest. He was under Larry McDuff, two guys with, you know, probably a combined five, six decades in the game. So I think to try to pin all of Jeff's background on Danny Crossman is probably misleading. This Pro Bowl thing, maybe this worked out in the end for the best uh, because, I, you know, John Beeson should have been on that Pro Bowl roster ahead of Jonathan Vilma. That's a matter of opinion, I guess. But I got to know two things. First, did you have a vote? And second, just how flawed is this Pro Bowl and the selection process in the first place? Well, anybody can have a vote on the Pro Bowl if they go online to the league's website. I mean, you know, that's not one of those things that it's 50 media ballots or anything like that. I mean, that's open to everybody, you know, to make up that third component of fan voting, and then there's players and coaches. So, you know, I think there are some flaws uh, to the process, and I think, you know, again, what you see every year, whatever team's doing well, there's a tidal wave of their guys. I mean, did Jonathan Vilma deserve to be in the Pro Bowl this year? He did not. Uh, but the way the rules went, it worked out, and John got John ended up where he should have been to begin with. I mean, in my opinion, Pat Willis and John Beeson ought to be the two inside linebackers on the NFC Pro Bowl team as long as those two were playing in the NFC. I mean, I just think those two are head and shoulders above everybody else in that conference. So, you know, at the end of the day, things worked out. London Fletcher was the guy I figured – 
if John got stiffed on this deal, would be the one to do it. And he was the first alternate ahead of John. But, you know, that was a Lifetime Achievement Award. London Fletcher's an old head, been playing good football for a long time, and, you know, played in a major market and had a coach who was squawking on his behalf late. So it didn't really surprise me to see London come in and, in front of John in the initial voting. I was just – the Vilma thing was the one that surprised me because it's kind of hard to defend, you know, his inclusion over John if you look at crude things like – numbers of tackles and stuff like that, although I think tackle numbers can be maybe the most misleading stat of them all. But if just the way they play and the impact on the game, I doubt you'd find very many defensive coordinators who'd take Jonathan Vilma instead of John Beeson. All right, I'll give you an agree or disagree. You tell me what you think. The Panthers will be without Julius Peppers in 2010 and will receive nothing in return for him. Boy, I say disagree, and it could go the other way because, I mean, they could just let him walk, I guess. But if you do that, you just say, I've got better things to spend $20 million on because you've got to worry if you're the Panthers tagging Julius Peppers that he just might up and decide to sign that tender immediately and guarantee himself $20 million on day one. And he could do that. I still think Julius wants to get out someplace and be a free agent and choose his own place his own contract, his own setting, that kind of thing. So to me, it's almost indefensible to just let him walk. I think you've got to, you know, you were in this game of poker for $16 million. I don't know why 20 all of a sudden is too much. So if it's me, the no-brainer is put out the word, hey, he wants to be someplace else, come at us with your best offer. We're going to tag him to cover ourselves in the interim. And do business that way. I think... Uh, I think even trading for him, knowing you've got to pay him a, a big long-term contract, I still think there are people who are going to give up draft pick compensation to get their hands on this guy. And, you know, I've said throughout, I, I think the two most likely landing spots are Philadelphia and New England. I, I think Dallas was mentioned last year as one of the mysterious four. I don't know. I mean, could Dallas make a run? Yeah, I just don't know that that's a terrible need for them with DeMarcus Ware and Anthony Spencer in place. But, you know, to me, at the end of the day, I think Julius is either going to be an Eagle or a Patriot, and something's coming on the backside to the Carolina Panthers. Well, even if they do get him, say, if he comes in and signs the tender offer, then they could always try and make a deal immediately after, as long as his signature's on there. No question. But, you you know, then somebody's got to worry about assuming that $20 million contract and then working out their own long-term deal. I mean, that that could be done, and, you know, there's kind of that wing-knot arrangement. That's the way the Jared Allen deal went down, you know, a year ago. He signed a long-term contract after being tagged by Kansas City, and then the way it was structured, all the money came from the Vikings. So, you know, it can be done. These hurdles can be overcome. But, I mean, I just think if you were going to do what they did last year, I just think you have to go through the process again to make sure you get something for that investment. Yeah, do the old CYA as long as you can. Well, Darren, we appreciate you being with us again, and uh, try to stay safe out there in that winter wonderland. Yeah, now that I'm back from Asheville, I picked a great weekend to get away for the wife, <laughs> or get away with the wife, not from the wife. But, uh, yeah, we tried going up to Asheville this weekend. Great timing on that. We beat the blizzard and then uh, got in there and realized the whole town was shut down. So, good times. Well, Darren, thanks for being with us again. We appreciate it. You got it, John. Anytime, buddy. Supplies are limited. Operators are standing by to take your call. The CCR hotline is open 24 hours a day at 206-350-9673. Call and sound off with your opinions on the team. That's 206 206- 
350-9673. There's more Cat Crave Radio on the other side of the break. All-star fans, all-star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out non-stop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It is time now to pick some, uh, rather, time to pick one game. It's time for the Super Bowl 44 edition of Pick'em. Joining us to pick the game, it is Nick Yeoman. Nick, wow, a very good championship round. You went 2-0 in the AFC-NFC championship games. 3-7 and for the playoffs overall. Are you ready to try and add one more big W to your tally? Yes, I am. It's probably the biggest one of the year, John. Well, you had a 178 and 88 record overall if you throw in the playoffs with your regular season performance. The one game to pick, it's the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts in Super Bowl 44. Let's hear your take. Well, and I think everyone everyone really hopes that this turns out to to be one of the great Super Bowls like we've seen in the last couple of years, the two number 1 seeds meeting for you know, the first time in a long time. I know that everyone and their mother are going to be rooting for the New Orleans Saints for the obvious reason. But I just don't see them having enough defensively to really slow down Manning and that offense, uh, at least enough to let Drew Brees get on the field and do his thing. The great Bears defense couldn't slow the Colts down uh, in the Super Bowl three years ago. The great, the great Jets defense couldn't slow down the Colts offense two weeks ago. And because of that, I just don't see how the Saints can pull it off. The Saints are going to score some points. And if they can pull off a few turnovers, timely turnovers early on, score on those possessions, grab a two-possession lead early, then they have a shot. But I think you're going to see in the second half of the game why Peyton Manning is the greatest of all time. And in the end, the Colts are going to, just, going to be just a little too much. I see them winning at 37-28, a nine-point win for Indianapolis. Well, Nick, as always, we, uh, we appreciate you being with us to pick the games. We'll uh, keep score on this final pick. And, uh, again, thanks for being with us all season. Hey, I appreciate it, John. It's been great all season. Those big boys may not cover the Carolina Panthers, but we do. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Right now, our special guest, one of the more, let's just say one of the most popular Panthers, quarterback Matt Moore. Matt, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Matt, the way this season ended and you at the helm down the stretch, things, and I know it's always the business of football. We talk business all the time because, you know, contracts have to be taken care of. Uh, and and there are always numbers out there that that get negotiated. But how badly do you want to stay with the Panthers? Oh, I, I absolutely want to stay with the Panthers. I mean, it's uh, you know with the way everything came together at the end of last season, and uh, you know just the way everybody finished, and, and uh, you know we ended on a really good note. Although we didn't you know reach our goal, but uh, you know there's things there, and. Uh, there's no other place I, I want to be, so uh, definitely want to be back with uh, with Carolina. Well, free agency is such a, a lure to a lot of players, especially after you've proven yourself and, and you played really, really well. I mean, you, you put up a triple-digit quarterback rating, so, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were watching. They noticed you, I'm, I'm certain. So is free agency for you a temptation? Um, you know, I don't know. This is all new to me, you know what I mean? It's... Uh, I really don't know how it works. 
you know, and I guess we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, things are kind of at uh, a standstill right now with free agency not starting for what, another month or so or at the end of February or whatever. Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's a temptation. I mean, I think my heart is, is in Carolina and I want to be there. And um, so, you know, hopefully everything will work out. But uh, I feel, um, I don't know, we'll just have to see. Like I said, cross that bridge when we get there. Has there been progress made toward keeping you with the Panthers toward a new contract? Um, you know what? I don't know. I think uh, right now, um, you know, there's there's other issues that need to be tended to, uh, obviously from their point, I think. And um, it's kind of hard right now. It's kind of a dead period. So uh, we're just kind of hanging out, and, and all that stuff will be taken care of here in the near future. But, uh, you know, like I said, that, that'll all be handled. And, and uh, I'm hoping there's progress being made and hoping there's interest and uh, with Carolina. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here soon. Something I mentioned right at the top, and that's, your popularity, and we hear this a lot in football anyway. There's always a lot of love for the backup quarterback. And with that going on, and because the way the fans have gravitated to you, I mean, maybe you're not, you may not be the Beatles, you might be Menudo, but I mean, <laughs> being that popular with the fans, and I'm, I'm sure that doesn't hurt with, you know, with the ladies either. How does that impact your life day to day? Um, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, not so much with the ladies, uh, me <laughs> but uh, um, it was it was a definite change. You know, I, and it was around Christmas time, and, and you know, just to give some examples, just you know, walking around you know the mall or whatever, and, and uh, you know, there's more recognition, obviously, which is you know greatly appreciated on my part. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting how, how how quick you know your life can change, and um, you know that's all with the help of, of all everybody else, you know, in the organization, all the other guys on the field, you know, made it you know, easy for me, and, uh, you know, with with some, with some a little bit of success, um, you know, obviously your popularity grows, and, and uh, the fans in Charlotte have been, or every Carolina Panther fan, it's just been great, so uh, I've definitely enjoyed the ride. Well, something a lot of people probably don't know about you is that you were drafted to play third base by the Angels, I think back in 04, but still you chose football. Uh, I mean, why did you choose football over baseball? Well, at the time, I still had uh, I still had uh, two years of school left, and uh, you know, I was kind of in the middle of my college career, and, and uh, you know, with a big push from my parents, uh, they definitely wanted me to go to school, and and so I headed up to Oregon State, and uh, you know, just kind of that being, it was a hard decision at the time, but now looking back, uh, you know, it was the best decision I ever made to go up there and and play football and, and kind of take that path. Um, although it's been kind of a windy one to, to get where I'm at, uh, everything's worked out, so it's it's been great. Well, then coming out of college and then not being drafted, do you think not being drafted has given you something to prove? Uh, absolutely. There's definitely motivation there. Um, you know, to play this game, you got to be motivated, but then to, to kind of end your college career on a, on a decent note and uh, – you know, I definitely felt I had done uh, somewhat of a nice job to, to maybe get drafted or, you know, maybe have those things happen. Um, of course, they didn't. Um, you know, it's no big deal. But, yeah, you definitely want to, uh, you know, prove some people and, and kind of quiet the doubters, if you will. Um, that's always in the back of your mind. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you got to focus at the, at the task at hand and, and just go out there and win ball games, and that'll that'll answer all the questions. Well, because it's such a competitive 
business and everybody that's involved from the top down um i mean the water boys are are competitive i mean just being around you guys this past summer i mean i, I the way everybody is you know everybody wants a job and you've got to be right. competitive to earn the job so i guess it comes down to some of your relationships i mean you you will still see jake delome in the locker room i mean how is your relationship with him i mean do you think it would be you think it'd be impacted through a competition if there is one in training camp? You know what I think. Uh, well, let's start here for the relationship that Jake and I have now is has been uh, unbelievable. The guy's a true professional, you know, and he's treated me with the, with the utmost respect, and and you know I've done him the same. And uh, he's, I don't think you know, regardless of what's going to happen in, in uh, training camp or whatever, um, you know, I think. He said it best. He said this a while ago. Regardless of who's out there, I mean, I think both of us want to win so bad. Uh, we don't really care how it gets done, you know. Uh, if he's out there winning ball games, and so be it. And and, and who, who's ever out there. And uh, I don't think our relationship will will hit any bumps or anything like that. Um, Jake and I are friends. We will probably, hopefully, always be friends and and uh, together uh, try and win ball games. And that, that's that's the ultimate goal. What I noticed that really stood out a lot during that that stretch especially coming down the last four or five weeks of the season the team seemed to back whoever was was on the field and that, I guess that's a testament to them and to the coaches as well but do you think that if it's an if it's an open job when you go in to Spartanburg do you think the team will react favorably or do you think it could potentially I mean do you see any problems where, because we always hear these rumors about locker rooms being split over the quarterback competition. Do you see that happening, or do you think the team will just kind of fall in with the guy that wins the job? Yeah, I, you know what, I, I think, I don't think there's going to be a, a line drawn in the sand, you know what I mean? I think guys are going to, uh, you know, who's ever out there, uh, they obviously know what Jake can do. The guy's a winner, uh, he's proven that. Um, and if I was out there, I think, you know, hopefully they would have, you know, all the, uh, they would have, you know, they believe in me and, and whoever's out there. I mean, it really doesn't matter. I think the guys, you know, it's a true testament to these guys, the way, you know, everybody finished the season last year defensively, offensively, and special teams. Um, you know, who's ever, you know, calling the signals, I think guys are going to rally and uh, and really, you know, step the game up and, and play some good ball. So um, I, I don't think we're going to have any, uh, you know, division in the, in the locker room or anything like that. I think these guys, uh, understand the talent we have and what we can do, and uh, and and that's going to be the main focus. Well, I know we've got baseball. That's in, in in you know you are capable of playing baseball, especially having been drafted. I mean that's obvious. But do you have any other talents that I mean something that that would help us learn more about Matt Moore? <laughs> um, not really. I'm a pretty simple guy. Uh, I'm not a very good golfer. That helps <laughs> out. Uh, um. I'm uh, I just hang out, man. I've been uh, been married for almost three years now, and uh, that's pretty much it. My family and football is pretty much all I do. So, uh, definitely enjoying this time and, and trying to make the best of it. Well, Matt, you know, I I think I could probably speak for thousands upon thousands of people because we we definitely want you back next year, and and we do wish you the best of luck, and and we appreciate you taking time during your off time to uh, to speak to us. 
Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. I want to thank Darren Gant for being on the show once again. Be sure to check him out both in print and online in the Rock Hill Herald. My thanks to Matt Moore for taking time out of his vacation out on the left coast to speak to us. As always, my appreciation to Nick Yeoman for being such a major part of the show. Nick's Panthers videos can be found on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Go to catcraveradio.com and click on the newsletter link at the top of the page. Fill out the quick and easy form, and it's a done deal. We'll keep you up to date on the show, guests, basically everything that's going on with us and the team. Again, go to catcraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link, and fill out the form. Yes, it's that easy. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to leave us a review. And follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash catcraveradio. Give us a follow, and we promise we will follow you back. And feel free anytime to give us a call. Call us up at 206-350-9673 and leave a message so we can hear all of your opinions. Call the CCR hotline. Again, the number is 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks again for listening to Cat Crave Radio, a proud member of the Fan-Sided Network. Check out catcraveradio.com for our complete archive of interviews, commentary, and analysis. The CCR crew will gather again next week to bring you another fresh episode. All material, copyright 2010, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old Finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.